Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it's seven o'clock central, eight o'clock eastern, and the top of the hour, wherever you are, and welcome to another edition of BAM's Radio, a member of the Animal Sports Radio family. We have another busy show lined up for you tonight, but first, for some introductions, I'm Kerry Clark with BattleMag.com and Scout.com, and I'm joined, as always, in the studio by our producer, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, Thomas Watts, a.k.a. Joe Kane. More on that later, uh, because we have a Mobile guest joining us in about five minutes. Uh, but uh, an eventful week in Mobile and an eventful week uh, regarding the University of Alabama sports family. Since we spoke to you last, the uh, softball team continued its great run and is now 11-1. and The baseball team swept Maryland Eastern Shore. The basketball team lost a bad game to Vanderbilt and then turned around uh, Tuesday and swept Auburn, beat them the second time in a row this year, 79-68 on the Plains in a game that Bruce Pearl deemed a must-win. Didn't work out for them. That battle put four men in double figures, led by Levi Randolph. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that more later on. And uh, kind of odd that Drew is, Drew is not with us right now because we did get a commitment today. Uh, but we will talk about that, a football commitment, I mean. We'll talk about that uh, when our first guest joins us in just a few minutes. And uh, let me just go ahead and tell you all who the guests are going to be tonight. Uh, I guess Drew is uh, going to be considered a guest since he can't seem to get here on time. But uh, our scheduled guest, uh, in, in about three or four minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Jimmy Stein. Uh, you know him on the Internet if you read the Bama boards as LJS Law. Uh, he is part of the Talking Tuscaloosa podcast, along with another friend of our show, Luke Robinson. But Jimmy, uh, each year, puts out uh, a preseason Super 16 of uh, in-state seniors for every class year. And he has recently come out with his uh, 2016 group, so uh, we'll be talking to Jimmy about that. Uh, we'll have our weekly call from Big C uh, after the top of next hour, and then at around 8.30, we're going to talk with Mark Burnett of the Aniston Star, who happens to be in Indianapolis, Indiana this week for the NFL Combine, uh, where various and sundry measurements are being released on a daily basis. Uh, players from Alabama are interviewing with uh, the representatives of the various pro teams, and uh, other rumors are being discussed, like for example, I uh, heard today that the Dallas Cowboys have uh, shown an interest in free agent running back Mark Ingram, uh, who the Auburn Aint, I'm sorry, New Orleans Saints don't seem to be interested in retaining, uh, which is which is fine with me. Uh, I don't like to have to cheer uh, against players from Alabama when they play for the Auburn Aints. But uh, looks like Drew's about to join us here in a moment, so that'll be good. But uh, so that's what we have lined up tonight. Um, and 
you know, it's 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 been a really interesting week. Uh, a lot of fans have been uh, thrown off by Anthony Grant's uh, sweep of Auburn and now in 93. True. Yeah. You hear the heavy breathing? That means he's with us. All <laughs> right. Sports in your shorts up in Huntsville, Alabama. Rudy Armand, welcome to Fan Radio. Welcome. He's still fired. He's got to get to the NCAA tournament. Don't give a rat's rip about sweeping Auburn. Happy about that, but uh doesn't mean a dang thing unless you go to the dance. Next yeah, I think that, that's true. I, well, no, and I had somebody tell me that uh, before the Vanderbilt game. I uh, was talking to someone, you know, in the in the press room where we sit and eat cheap pizza before we cover the game, and um uh, the uh, individual said, well, I talked to a, a pretty high guy today, and he says that uh, the decision's been made. Just a matter of playing the season out. No uh, no big dance, no no return. And uh, I said, really? He's like, yeah, and this person would know. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll file that away. And uh, it, it was a great win. I, I was happy for the kids, Drew, particularly Levi and Coop, that they were able to, uh, you know, wipe the smirk off Jabba the Hutt's face and, uh, and, and the funniest thing, Drew, uh, aside from the terse conversation after the game between the two coaching staff, the uh, the funniest thing to me was how the Auburn students had to leave with like two minutes to go, and they had to file out, you know, single line like you're leaving the lunchroom in, in elementary school. You know, it's like the walk of shame because Alabama just beat that ass for the second time this year. Well, I had a clown on Twitter, uh, you know, getting on to me because of a a mistake I made during the Northwest Regional on reporting a score. And uh, he uh, he uh, shot his mouth off and said, well, typical for an Alabama fan to make up a score. And then I told him, I said, well, you know, we enjoyed beating your uh, your basketball team with our lame duck coach. And, uh, you know, and obviously, and then I had another one shoot off his mouth. And I said, well, obviously you guys haven't beaten Alabama in anything for a long time. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, they haven't beaten Alabama in anything of consequence in about a year. Uh, you know, obviously they uh, the football didn't go their way. Uh, sweep in basketball, baseball, you know, is yet to be played out. Alabama handled them last year in the series. We'll see what happens this season. Uh, promising start for Mitch Gaspard's group. Uh, thought they handled Maryland Eastern Shore like you should handle an opponent like that. Uh, was very impressed with Will Carter's debut. Been excited to see him. I think hopefully. When, uh, you know, you, uh, a, a great senior year can be had by Taylor Gilbo, and uh, I was impressed with the of, of Chandler Avant in his first series. You know, the first three games as a leadoff hitter and a newcomer, and a lot of veterans back too, Kerry. And hopefully, uh, Alabama can beat that rear end on the diamond as well. Yeah, and you know, uh, they're going to have well, Auburn started off they started off two and two, Alabama's three and zero. Uh, Thomas may be the kick out of this, but, but my nickname for uh, the, the stadium on South Alabama's campus, Eddie Stankin Field, is the Stank. And <laughs> Auburn's, Auburn's baseball team was losing to South Alabama at the Stank at the same time that their basketball team was losing to University of Alabama uh, in Beardy's Memorial Commode, whatever they call it. But anyway, they, got, they lost two games in two major sports that night. Uh, they're two and two. Um, and Bama's three zero. In the game, the series is at Auburn this year, and so I, I see no reason that we wouldn't get two out of three. But I'm going to be pulling for the sweep. Uh, the softball series is at Auburn, 
Uh, I, I, Auburn is much better in softball than they are in baseball, but they're still not quite to Alabama's caliber. I, I think the, both, the best Auburn can hope for in that series is a sweep. Uh, it's a shame they quit putting out the Corolla, uh, the hardback version. I think you can get it online. Because this would have been a good year if you're a senior Alabama to get a Corolla, a yearbook. And that's what I meant, not the car, the yearbook, the Alabama yearbook. <laughs> uh, this would be a good year to get one because other than women's and men's swimming and soccer, uh, Alabama has defeated Auburn in everything they played in this year. And yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good year for that kind of thing. Uh, and Drew, just, just before we bring on the first guest, uh, tell me what, I, I'm sure you at least watched it, what, what were your observations about the Hoops game? Well, you know, obviously I'm going to be honest with everybody. I, I was working the Wall State Regional and didn't get a chance to, uh, but I did follow it closely, obviously. They got this thing called DVR. And, uh, know, well, well, I, I, I did not get. I have not got. I did not get home until late last night, Gary. I've been, you know, I have been away for a good, a good portion of the last six days. Uh, obviously, uh, my expectations were not high going into the game. Uh, I felt like Alabama uh, was going to win the game, uh, and uh, I, or excuse me, Auburn was going to win the basketball game. Let me uh, say that. I, but, I, but I wanted to follow it closely. I knew I was going to have to do work. Uh, for my website, Alabama Intel, and, you know, do the regionals. Uh, I was in a hotel room, so I had not had a chance to see it. I I can go back and watch on ESPN3, I'm sure, but I did follow it. I was very impressed with, you know, Retino Basahan's game. I think he had the best game of his uh, uh, season uh, against Auburn, played with a lot of energy. Uh, And and what I really liked about it was going back and studying it is, they were able to have a little bit of a different offensive philosophy. They spread the court, uh, and we were able to beat Auburn, you know, athletically off the dribble. And Auburn, as we all know, is not a deep team. Uh, they're not a very skilled team. They have, you know, KT Harrell is a very good shooter. Uh, you know, and then obviously Antoine Mason with his father going through what he is. But Mason's a pretty good player as a, on the perimeter. And then, you know, Bowers, it, it really killed Alabama the first time. But I think they did a much better job making him earn his baskets this time. But the thing that really impressed me as well is in the second half, Levi Randolph was much more aggressive. Uh, you know, he only took two shots in the first half, really came out more aggressive in the second. Uh, I was really able to score the basketball really well. And then the uh, third thing I took from it, and I think this has been happening over the last month, and it's why Alabama's season, uh, you know, they have not – everybody was afraid they were going to quit on the, on the coaches, but they have not. One big, big, big factor the last month in why Alabama has stayed on the bubble or – has a chance to still make the NCAA tournament is Shannon Hale, and he shot the ball really well. I think he was perfect from the field. Yeah. Well, either that or he missed one. But, uh, you know, you're right about Retton. Uh, Retton got to the basket at will on them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And and Levi, again, picked it up second half. Uh, I I had a chance to hear Reggie Witherspoon speak last night, first time ever, probably only time ever. But anyway, I got to hear him speak, and he – one of the questions he got from the audience was that uh, is it possible that y'all could just tell Levi when the game starts that it's to start in the second half so he can give us two halves like he's been giving us in the second half? And he was like, yeah, you know, we we thought about that. So, but anyway, it was, a, it was a good win for the kids. You know, yeah. regardless of what you think about the coach, you want the kids to beat Auburn. And, of course, you know, as we just pointed out, we've owned Auburn and everything this year except soccer and swimming. Uh, everything else, we, we you know, we would share them, really. So, uh, but with that being said, Drew, 
I want to go ahead and, and bring on our first guest of the evening, as I promised at the top of the hour. Uh, I'm going to bring on uh, our good friend Jimmy Stein. Uh, Twitter, he's at LJS Law. He's co-host of Talking Custalusa podcast with our other friend, Luke Robinson. We only have two friends in the show. I'm just kidding. But anyway, Jimmy, how are you doing tonight, brother? Doing very well. Doing very well. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you on. And uh, the, uh, b- before we get into your uh, Super 16 list, Jimmy, I understand there's there's been a change on the list uh, since I printed it off. And that change, and I didn't talk to Drew about this yet, but that change involves a player that uh, Billy Napier and Terry Clark both compared to Kevin Norwood. I'm talking about the newest commitment of the Alabama football, and that's T.J. Simmons of, of Clay Chapel. I understand he's gone from top 25 to into the LGS Fall Super 16. Well, uh, everybody's familiar with T.J. Uh, you know, he was in the state championship game uh, against Sarah Land, and he's kind of been a high-profile guy. You know, I, I watched the tape a couple of times. It, it's a kind of a deep group in state this year, guys. It, it's every, every year is unique. Every crop's a little different. Where I think this particular in-state group stands out is the kids I would I would rank as of today between like 15 and 30. Uh, that group is really good. The depth of this class is really good. So, you know, at first blush, I didn't rate TJ too highly. I think there's some issues regarding his his speed and quickness and burst I, I think could be a little better, uh, and that's something that he'll work on at Alabama, I'm sure. Uh, but he's a good prospect. After news broke that uh, that Alabama had offered him, I went back and watched the tape again, and this time was able to find camp numbers, which were a little better than, than I guess from watching the tape. Uh, last summer he was at a, a camp, and he ran a 4.75 with a, with a 4.32 shuttle, and while those numbers aren't nationally elite, they are pretty good for a kid, you know, his age that's still developing. So, uh, yeah, I think TJ right now, right around that 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 14 area in terms of where I would rank him among the in-state prospects. Great hands, good body. He he he's he's a very uh, accomplished blocker, which is rare at, at that level. Most kids that are wide receivers in high school aren't. They don't really work on that aspect of their game very much, but TJ clearly enjoys uh, pancaking defenders down the field. And that's huge. Well, and Jimmy, I'm, pardon me, Kerry. Uh, this is Drew. I, I, that's what I wanted sure. to ask you about. I've, I've watched TJ uh, last year against the Niceville in the, in the opener. I've seen him two or three other times. My, my big question, the size was nice, the, the hands, I liked all that. I just have questioned the speed, you know, and then of course right. that's what happened with a young man out of Foley a couple of years ago who's making some waves and ended up, I believe, at UAB or Jacksonville State, one of the two. And uh, he didn't. I watched him in a seven-on-seven, and I could tell he couldn't run very well. And that's my only right. question with T.J. Simmons. I just I, that I still kind of question it. I I think he can be a right. really good player. Uh, but what do you? What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously you talked about the four seven five. It, when I watched mm-hmm. him against Niceville, I was thinking he was probably a four six five guy. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, again that, that four seven five was last summer at the Birmingham Nike camp. Uh, you know, they're, they're pretty conservative at those things. Some some camps kids run faster than others. I think I'm not. Uh, I think I saw a hundred meter time for him that was in the eleven seven area, and. You know, kids that run 100 meters and that tend to be around 4.8 or 4.9. Uh, but, I, again, he, he ran a 4.7540. While I know that might turn some people off, I think most most fans that 
keep up with 40 times in the NFL combines this weekend. They, they, they hear those times in Indianapolis and, and, and kind of think, well, that's what kids should run when they get to school. But the fact of the matter is most of the kids that work hard and train hard and don't gain bad weight, those kids get faster and quicker in college. And kids that, that run a four seven five before their junior seasons in high school – over the course of the next five or six years, he could really cut some time off that and be a, a four six guy by the time he leaves leaves Alabama. It's unlikely you could go from four seven five to four three five, but you know he'll he'll he'll, he'll cut some time off as as he learns as he trains uh, to run those type events and and gets just bigger, stronger, quicker, faster under Scott Cochran and his staff. So I, I'm excited about T.J. Simmons. I'm a little surprised, honestly, that that we took him at this juncture it's so early it's a year from signing day for his group i'm a little surprised at the timing of it but he is a good prospect he was going to play in the sec whether it was alabama or not i mean he's clearly an sec kid he did have a mississippi state offer you're right jimmy and uh you know i'm unfortunately even though i don't live but like 45 minutes from there i haven't had a chance to see him play yet i've He's only Birmingham TV highlights every Friday night because he's such a good player. Yeah. But I'll have to slide over there and, and see him play this year. I'll make a point to do so. Uh, and for the people out there that are saying, oh, 4'7", 475, he's going to be a great shirt. I don't think so. Uh, in fact, he's going to give the green light if he wants to, and he says he does, to uh, enroll in January, Jimmy. Yeah, uh, I, I don't expect him to be like a gray shirt or even a, a kid that we consider lightly recruited. Uh, TJ is going to get more offers. His commitment to Alabama will not slow down recruiting. He'll get more offers, more SEC offers during the May period. Everyone will go through Clay Chalkville because they have a number of good prospects, not, not even younger prospects than than TJ. So a lot of schools are going to go through. He's going to get more offers. I bet his ranking and rating goes up as he gets more and more exposure and gets more offers from bigger schools. So I, I don't even really consider TJ lightly recruited. It's just so early. Uh, again, he'll, he'll rack up more offers. He's a good prospect. I think the only argument to make from the other side is why not wait on one of these highly regarded kids from Florida or Georgia and wait a little later in the process and see how it would have worked out with one of them. Uh, I think that's the only argument to make against taking a kid like T.J. Simmons' commitment. But I expect him to be a good player. I I sort of like that Kevin Norwood uh, comparison because they're very similar size and skills-wise. Kevin, you know, ran pretty well by the end of his career at Alabama, and and, and I think T.J. will probably develop the same way. Well, and, Jimmy, i got to tell you this, too. I think another reason they may have taken him is – you know, the freak that is behind him in 2017, right. uh, you know, it'll help yeah, get Nico. them a, uh, a jump up on Nico Collins. Remember that name, everybody exactly. listening? Yeah. Uh, he's going to be the next Julio Jones coming out of Alabama. Yeah, very he's a 6'4", right. yeah, a 6'4", 185-pound uh, wide receiver, uh, 39 catches, 805 yards, you know, 15 TDs as a 10th grader. Uh, you know, he has great size, body control, and it's just going to get better. And uh, when you had the, you teamed him with T.J. Simmons, you're not going to find a high school team probably in the country with as good a wide receivers as the Cougars have. No, that was you know, probably he, a factor, uh, uh, Drew. That was probably a factor in, in taking T.J. now. I mean, Nico Collins 
we'll see. It's a, it's it's a, it's, a, it's two years away from when the 2017 kids sign. But as of today, uh, it's fair to guess that Nico Collins might be the number one 2017 prospect in the state of Alabama. And you know, Jimmy, the, the guy that he uh, bumped out of your Super 16. Uh, and I, and I, I, I lean on you for this because you're a mobile guy. But I've actually seen this guy play too. Uh, and I'm talking about Darius Whitfield. I guess he's 17 now. But uh, Josh Casher's younger brother, uh, who will be a senior at St. Paul's, uh, certainly the concern with him is is height. Uh, Josh is right. probably barely six two, but Darius is like maybe six one and a half. And they don't usually right. take guys that size at Alabama. It's rare. Not saying never, but it's just rare. Uh, but I have watched Darius play um, in loop stomping grounds, Alex City, uh, when Darius was only in 10th grade. And i got to say, the fact that he is now in your number 17 range, that itself goes to, to show uh, what, what a good class is because he's a football player. Yeah, he's a guy that would be in the, in the top 16 uh, any other year. And, again, it's so early, you know, my, my rankings change constantly. It's like the stock market as opinions change and information comes in and you get to see more tape. But uh, Darius uh, is, a, is a really good prospect. He's a dominating player. He has started at St. Paul since the ninth grade. In fact, I, rem- I can recall the first time I saw Josh Kasher was the first time I saw Darius Whitfield because this is how good Darius is. When Josh Kasher was in the tenth grade, he started at right tackle and Darius in the ninth grade started at left tackle. Uh, so that's that's how good of a player Darius is. The knock on Darius is just simply his size. Uh, he's just not a big kid. Alabama typically under Nick Saban is focused on what I would call jumbo size linemen. We would tend to sign really big guys. It was a little bit of a stretch for Alabama to sign his brother Josh Kasher, who's not the biggest kid in the world. But Darius is a little bit smaller than even Josh uh, at that same camp. Where T.J. Simmons ran his four seven five off the top of my head, Darius was six one and a half two fifty three. Uh, now that was that was you know several months ago. These kids' size can change rapidly, but Darius has kind of stayed about the same size all throughout high school. Now he is a dominating player, and by that I mean he clears out you know whatever side he's blocking on for St. Paul's because they move him around. Another impressive thing about Darius to me, what blows me away, guys, is. Darius plays both ways the entire game and never seems to tire. He is a good player in the fourth quarter. He's a good player in the fourth quarter as he is in the first, playing both offensive line and defensive line. So he's a talented kid. He's a dominating high school player. He's just going to have to get a little bigger, I think, before Alabama uh, offers offers and takes him. But uh, a real talented kid. He'll play for somebody for sure. Well, the next Jimmy, guy on, on the list, uh, I'm sorry, Drew. The next guy on the list, Jimmy, uh, is one of Drew's favorite players, uh, and, and and I'm pretty impressed with him too. We both got a chance to see him play this past year, uh, and that's uh, Errol E. Thompson, uh, linebacker out of Florence. Yeah, another one of my my favorites. Uh, I've only seen the, the tape. Uh, Errol is a large human being uh, for a linebacker. I think Alabama, we get these comparisons every year. Any supersized linebacker, they get compared to Rolando McClain and Dante Hightower. Uh, that's kind of what jumped out at me a little bit. I, I don't know if he's quite in their class because I have not seen camp numbers on him, and I would question at his size, his ability to be a three-down linebacker, his ability to drop into coverage. 
not sure where a kid that's as big as he is, where his body could grow, he could end up being a down lineman. Uh, he's so big today. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Josh McMillan, who we signed in the last class. Uh, but I, I like Errol. The thing I like about Errol for a big kid, he is really aggressive. And sometimes with really big high school linebackers, you know, those kids have been dialing it down most of their lives because they're, they're, <laughs> their parents don't want them to hurt the other kids. But uh, Errol plays hard. He is very physical. I can tell he's an instinctive kid. Uh, he would have a, a million offers if uh, if he can prove that he can uh, run and cover. Uh, but until he can prove that, uh, we'll see how many offers he gets. But uh, I, I like Errol a great deal. And even though he's he's 15 or so right now, he, he's a kid that could easily move up. Well, I'll, I'll give you some background on him, Jimmy, because I've talked to Keaton Anderson quite a bit. And the thing about E is, is he, he was a running back his freshman year and then was going to be doing that when he was a sophomore, but tore his ACL, missed the whole pretty much the whole season, came back last year, played a smidgen of running back. But last year was his first year playing defense full-time. And uh, he played a lot of defensive end outside linebacker, and he got better and better as the year went on and got more comfortable. And I saw him against Shades Valley in the quarterfinal playoff game, and he was knocking people out. I mean, he was the MVP in that game. I mean, I talked to Keaton afterwards, and his job was basically to, you know, to, to shadow Keith Mixon, and he didn't make a lot of plays in that game as he did in the first time when he had 14 tackles in the first game, but he was the MVP that night. I mean, he was tremendous. Uh, he plays with a nasty attitude. I think he he can definitely run well enough to be a jack. He's probably about 250 pounds right now. Uh, obviously, Coach Slupoy did a good job of getting him to the first junior day when he came to see Keaton down there. And uh, I just think he right now he's got some offers from the South Alabamas of the world and Southern Mississippis. But he, if he goes to camp at Alabama and does as well as I think he's going to, he's going to explode. And Alabama's doing a great job of getting in position with him early. And then also with Keaton being close to him, it's really going to help. Hey, with, with front seven guys. Too. Go ahead, go Jimmy. Go ahead, I was just saying, with oh, well, front seven guys, it's always it's always bit. about fit. Uh, yes. Go, go ahead, Kerry. Yeah, it is about fit, but uh, and I think Drew might agree with this. But I haven't seen him play in person. Um, I, I understand that Miller's comparison. I do, but actually, Drew, I, I can see a little bit of Courtney Upshaw in, in uh, E. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I think he plays with the same kind of nasty attitude as he does, and he is somebody that you know he he had his mindset on. Uh, offense until the knee injury and then I mean I think the coaches have basically coach Wallace and those guys have done a good job of, of convincing him that his uh, future is on defense he plays with a defensive mentality and uh, you know I've seen some of the new some of the uh networks have him rated in the 40s in state that is an abomination no I mean that is a joke. he's easily top 20 I mean he'll he'll be top be, I think he'll be top 10 before it's over with over. He, he could blow up he really, and yeah, I, I want to say one more thing up. to Jimmy about Whitfield I watched him closely in the Sarah Land game, especially at offensive mm-hmm. guard. He is tremendously quick. I mean, he pulled oh, yeah. so so fast. I mean, they were their running game was giving you know Sarah Land a lot of problems inside, and a lot of it was because of Darius. I hope, but you know, it took Alabama you know a little bit longer to come on the Joshua Casher train. I hope they do the same thing with Whitfield, though. I think he's a prospect they can build up. I know his, his measurables aren't great, but in some cases I don't really give a crap about all that. I just know he can play. And uh, and uh, that, that, that's why I hope they – I mean, 
I do like Deontay. Now, I will say this, and I, Jimmy's probably going to talk about him in a second, but I do like the film of Deontay Brown a lot at Austin High School. I've been watching a lot of it for the past few days. He pulls really well, and you're talking about somebody that finishes blocks. I mean, the dude uh, just pancakes people. He plays left tackle for Austin. I think he'll probably – he needs to lose 30 pounds. He'll probably he'll definitely be an offensive guard at Alabama, but he's a road grader. I wouldn't mind seeing Whitfield. He's, he's so quick. I think he'd be an excellent center prospect. And I think, you know, it, to me it looks like Coach Cristobal may look to, to sign, you know, five guys again. And to me they need to take three OTs. And I would love it if they took uh, Brown and uh, Whitfield as their interior guys in state. They'd be a good compliment to each other because they're, now, they're sort of different. Yeah, Deontay. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything that everything that Drew said. I mean, I, everything that Drew says is 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 dead on there. I mean, he, he's such a, a huge. He's he's a big physical mauler. Uh, with Deontay, it's going to be about. Uh, it, it'll be about his body. He can't let his body get away from him. I mean, he, it, it's not easy to weigh what he weighs at his age. <laughs> I mean, so he, he you know, you, you can't, you know, if you don't watch it, you know, that kid could blow up and be 380 and, and, and not help you much. But if Deontay uh, watches his body, finds his optimal playing weight, for some kids his size is 305. For other kids it's 345. Uh, he needs to find his optimal playing weight. And uh, I think he's a guard. He could possibly play tackle. It, to me, it looks on tape like he does have some long arms. Uh, I, I like Deontay Brown a lot. Uh, I don't like using the term project, really, and, and, some, and, and that, that term turns a lot of people off. But the fact of the matter is most of these kids aren't ready-made and polished. A lot of them need to be trained up, need to be coached up. And, and Deontay's that way. I doubt he's a guy that would come in and play as a freshman. But uh, when, 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 you, when, when you reshape his body – and, and train him. Uh, he he has he look he's a potential NFL player. Is what he's a potential NFL player. It's funny because you know when I listened to you describe him, I thought that I had gone back in time almost 20 years, and I was hearing somebody talk about another guy from that part of the world, Dante Ellington. But uh, you have Dante <laughs> yeah. at number six. Uh, we need to get yep. back down. Uh, we're gonna have to kind of go a little quicker to get out of them by eight o'clock. Sure. But, uh, the next guy on the list, I don't want to spend a ton of time on because I don't think he's come to Alabama, but I do know he's a good player, and that's uh, former Calera, current Auburn High uh, offensive lineman Tyler Pritchett. Just just a quick synopsis on him, Jimmy. Good athlete, uh, a little different than Deontay Brown. He's kind of a in-between Deontay Brown and Darius Whitfield. Tyler needs to get bigger himself. I think he's right about 270 right now. The best thing about him is he's a plus athlete, to be playing the offensive line. I think he gets a lot of good offers. I'll be a little surprised if Alabama offers him, but I fully expect to see him in the SEC. And uh, I think uh, he he was offered by Florida yesterday. Uh, We'll see him in the SEC. I'll just be a little surprised if it's at Alabama, but a very good player. Yeah, and next on your list, we're up to number 13 now. Uh, Deontay, we talked about a minute ago, was number six, so we'll skip him when you get to him. But uh, number 13 – Got an offer from Southern Miss today. I don't know that he'll get a committable album offer unless he has a great camp. But uh, the guy I'm talking about now, Jimmy, is uh, McAdory athlete J.J. Jones. Plays quarterback for them. Yeah, to me, he's just one of these. You see these kids every year. They're they're quarterbacks. They could be wide receivers. They could be defensive backs. The guy on Alabama's roster right now who's similar is Ardarius Stewart. I don't know 
and until we see more out of of JJ Jones, whether he he's as good as Ardarius, I think camps are big for kids like him because he has to prove that he's good on the clock and that he's good in the shuttle and that that he has the sort of quickness, the sort of fast twitch talent you need to be really good in the SEC at wide receiver or corner. Uh, I think I think there's still uh, the jury is still out on him a little bit. He's a kid that I could see move up or a kid that falls out. Uh, Alabama is clearly very interested in him. I would guess, without knowing, that uh, Alabama would really like to see him in camp before they, uh, before they would take his commitment. But uh, he's a guy that they're, they're very eager to there's, – there's kids that come to camp and there's kids they're very eager to see in camp, and he, he would be one they're eager to see in the camp because he plays quarterback in high school, so – I'm sure in camp they would put him at receiver, defensive back, and just kind of see how he looks compared to uh, some of the other best kids. Okay. And I think Drew stepped away for a few minutes, so that we'll we'll keep on uh, plowing through this. So the next guy on the list at number 12, uh, I can't tell you how happy I was today, Jimmy, when I was looking at some very early schedules. And I noticed that I don't have to drive to Dayton to scout this guy because I did it for his brother this past year. It's a little bit of a ride for me. Uh, instead, they will be visiting Leeds. So I get to go to Leeds to see Sean Jennings, whose older brother, Anthony, is already part of the Alabama program as a new signee. Uh, I did see Sean play last year. I saw him play some safety. In uh, your comments, you say he's a super physical kid who loves to play and needs a clear position. I tend to agree with that because Sean Jennings is a guy that could probably play four or five positions. Right. Uh, the thing first that stands out to me, the reason you know Sean Jennings is going to play in the SEC is his physicality. I mean, he, he's a real physical. He's a head knocker. Not every kid built like him plays as hard as he does, but, but he's real physical. He clearly enjoys playing and likes hitting people. Uh, he plays a lot of safety at Dadeville, but almost plays safety as if he is – an extra linebacker on the field. He's at his best playing downhill. He's at his best pursuing ball carriers. I've not seen him in person like you have, Kerry. All I can go by is, is, is the tape on Huddle, and uh, it doesn't show him a lot in pass coverage, although it does show him lining up and playing cornerback, which I find very interesting. The first clip that I saw him line up at corner, I'm like, man, there are not too many six foot two, 215-pound corners playing high school football in this country, but uh, – uh, he, he's clearly pretty athletic. Before I'd get too excited about Sean, I'd like to see more clips of him doing more pass coverage type things. But in terms of an in-the-box safety or smaller framed linebacker, he's really good. So probably another kid Alabama would like to see in camp before they get too excited about him because, again, in college he'll be doing some different things than he does at the high school level. And his coach even told me that uh, he could easily see him bulking up and being an SEC linebacker. So you've got a good point there. He's either going to be a strong safety or uh, perhaps a Sam linebacker. Uh, number 11, we won't spend a ton of time on him because he's committed to Auburn, but Alabama is showing a little bit of interest in uh, we're known to defensive tackle Quentin Williams. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a little surprised, again, that Auburn went on him as early as they did. Maybe they knew that was the best way to maybe beat Alabama to the punch on him. I think Quinnen is yet another example of a kid that could, could really move up or down the list. 
Uh, have not seen camp numbers on him. He has not been a high-profile kid his entire career. He's kind of new to the recruiting scene. Uh, not the biggest kid in the world just yet, but athletic, and he's got a chance. I don't think Auburn was crazy for taking him, that's for sure. I mean, he's, he's got some potential, but I doubt that would be a kid Alabama would take until they saw him in camp. Yeah, and maybe even some senior tape. Uh, number 10 yeah. on your list yeah. I'm very familiar with. I saw him play in 10th and 11th grade, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'll see him play when Leeds plays host to Daveville. I'm talking about uh, quarterback slash athlete with emphasis on athlete to Daryl Marshall. And this is a guy that I can tell you firsthand, seen him play twice and seen him on TV as well. Uh, Jimmy, he's fast. He has great feet. Uh, he has great vision. He's fun to watch. Uh, I think he's got what we would call a camp offer right now from Alabama. There's certainly an interest between the Tide and, and to Daryl Marshall. Yeah, he is one of my favorites. I'd have to really think it through, but but he might be my personal favorite kid in the state at this point in terms of I really enjoy watching kids like him play. Uh, kind of similar to J.J. Jones at McAdory, but in my opinion, to Daryl is, is just a better than he is or, or he is at this stage. Uh, the thing that balls out to me about Tadaryl is just his ball skills. It's not his size. It's not his speed. It's not his feet. It's just his ball skills. He's just a player. Uh, I think you plug him in at any number of positions, and, and he'll just get it done because he's a player. Sometimes, Kerry, you watch kids play football, and you can tell in five minutes, you're like, man, just give that kid a ball, any ball, whether it's a basketball, a soccer ball, a golf ball, a baseball. Uh, he, 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 he just has great ball skills. He's a great player. And kids like him tend to do well in college if they have the sufficient speed, quickness, and size, and, and it appears that he does. So I'm very excited about Tadaryl. If he doesn't end up at Alabama, I can tell you we'll end up playing against him. I mean, he, he's, going somewhere, he's going somewhere good. Yeah, and, you know, Jimmy and I like him. I'm, Drew and I like him too, Jimmy, and uh, – we, as heartbroken as, as Drew and I were when Alabama was never able to find a spot for uh, Keith Nixon, we will, well, from this day forward, uh, we will know T.D. Marshall, that's his nickname, T.D., uh, we will know him as taller Keith Nixon, and we will continue to hope that Alabama finds a place for him. He's got some he's He's not too similar to Keith Nixon to me. I mean, uh, T.D. kind of has that size and length that Keith didn't have, and I think T.D. is more no, suited to what Alabama's looking for. Yeah, yeah, he's a good right. Well, And I'll mm-hmm. tell you this, Jimmy. I saw him against Madison Academy. I thought he was every bit the athlete Carryon Johnson was as far as on the field. They were the two best athletes on the field easily that night. And I, the thing that did I, I was impressed with, he didn't get a chance to do it very much because they're a running power football team and don't really throw the football, but – he, uh, he he displayed a nice arm in warm-ups. I mean, I think he can definitely throw the ball well enough in an option-oriented attack, uh, but I definitely think he's a good enough athlete to project either wide receiver or safety. I'm going to be interested to see what he does when he comes to camp and wh- what Alabama does with him. Exactly. And that's exactly. a great, trans- great transition by you, Drew, because uh, the next guy on the list at number nine is a guy that you've seen a lot of times and I've seen once. Uh, we like him. But we're worried he's going to Auburn. But let's hear what we know about uh, fullback uh, Malik Miller of Madison Academy. Well, he is a high-profile yeah. player. Some of these kids are new, and some of these kids are new, and some of them have been around. Malik Miller has been a prominent player in the state of Alabama since he was in the ninth grade. Uh, 
right. I, I think the only question about Malik is, is, you know, what position does he play? Uh, is he a big running back? Is he a fullback? Is he an H-back? Can he transition uh, and play linebacker? And I know he plays some defense at Madison Academy now. Uh, I, I think because it's Alabama and we tend to do the easy comparisons, a lot of people say, oh, he's Jalston Fowler. He's actually built to me much differently than Jalston Fowler is. He's a little more compact, a little more big running back than, than the true 255-pound fullback that Jalston became. But uh, I, I like Malik Miller quite a bit, uh, and, and he can catch the ball. He's got good hands. To me, whether Alabama takes him or not, some is a function of what is our offense going to look like going forward. You know, Are we going to focus on taking true fullbacks? Uh, because, you know, two or three years ago, we are basically playing without a fullback. So, uh, to me, that's the question about Malik. I think if we were if we we're evaluating Malik purely as a linebacker, uh, I, I'm not sure he's somebody Alabama would take. Uh, to me, he to me for Alabama to take him, we have to be committed to taking a fullback. I would I agree with that, Jimmy. I've seen him play a lot. I know him well. I know his dad. He's a good kid. He's 5'11". He's not six feet tall, but... The one thing he did do is at the end of his sophomore year during the offseason, he got up to about 255. And then last year before the summer and during the summer, he got down to about 220, and he's maintained that weight. Uh, he is a compact guy. I still think of him more as a H-back, fullback. He is a bigger back, but he doesn't have breakaway speed. He's a pounder. Right. Uh, I think he's probably a 4'7". Uh, to be honest, I think he and Trey Nation are very similar and I, th- I would like Alabama to get one of the two as far as that role. Nation reminds me some of Dennis Riddle. Uh, I think he's underrated. He's never going to blow you away with his 40 time, but he runs behind his pads. He has very good vision. And I'll tell you this, he was the only running back last year that Madison Academy couldn't stop. And they knew they, and they knew he was coming at them. And that, and that was even bigger in that game, Jimmy, because T.D. Marshall got kicked out of the game early in the third quarter. And so – Wow. Uh, Trey Nation was huge in that game. I mean, he even threw a 40-yard completion that was probably the biggest play in the game. Uh, I just think he's a gamer. I think he wants to come to Alabama. Malik, I think he likes Alabama, but he also likes Auburn. You have to carry on our, uh, you know, angle. But I really think I like Trey Nation a lot. He won the MVP, running back MVP at the Spain Park Combine I attended last spring. And uh, I just think Alabama needs to take one of the two guys as far as the way their offense is enrolling, but I, evolving, I, but I like Nation and Miller. I just think Alabama needs to take one of them. Well, Trey did not I think there's three, the, the Super Sixteen, but he's on the cusp. Yeah, there's three running backs in the state that are all different, but I would rate them all very similarly, and that's Trey Nation, Lamichael Piran, and uh, Denzel Mitchell, who's committed to Ole Miss. I, I think, uh, to, to me, it's kind of hard to distinguish between the three of them. They're all three different backs, different styles. I think all three will end up either in the SEC or with equivalent SEC offers. You know, my, my guess, gun to head today, uh, I'll be a little surprised if Alabama offers any of the three. Uh, but uh, they they will play in the SEC, all three of them, Nation, P. Ryan, and Denzel Mitchell. Okay. Next on the list, uh, we're now on number eight listeners uh, on Jimmy Stein or OJS Law's Super 16 for the class of 16. Next is a guy that I've heard a little bit about, but I haven't seen him play. He has what I would call a camp offer from Alabama, and I'm speaking, Jimmy, of uh, Jemison linebacker P.J. Blue. You know, uh, to me, of of all the kids out there, if we're going to do Alabama comparisons like 
who is this kid most like that either plays for Alabama now or, or somewhat recently? To me, there's a kid that really stands out who P.J. Blue's a lot like, and that's uh, from a decade ago at Alabama, Jawan Simpson, who uh, played for the Shula Ice staff. Cream. Yeah. Cream. Uh, P.J. Blue is so similar to him. It just blew me away. I mean, it was like jumped out at me just after a few plays because he he's a linebacker, but he's real athletic. I think Alabama might even take a look at him at safety before they even look at him at linebacker. He's long, he's lanky, uh, he's pretty physical, just not the biggest kid in the world. I think why Alabama likes a guy like P.J. Blue is here's a kid with a linebacker's frame that's already really good in coverage and really athletic and, and facing so many spread offenses like Alabama faces now. You just can't have enough of kids I would call cover linebackers or kids you don't have to take off the field on passing downs that would have a spot in your nickel and dime defense. So I think P.J. Blue is just a good fit for what Alabama would like to do on defense, and, and that's why I think Alabama has a lot of interest in him at this point. Seems to be the kind of guy that could, at the very least, uh, help on third down because uh, you called him in your evaluation a cover linebacker. Uh, yeah. Sort of like the McBride kid that Auburn took this past class. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, he's the one to watch. I'm not sure how committable his offer is right now. I, I really think it's a camp offer, Jimmy. But he's definitely one to watch. And, uh, you know, I've already figured out that when I go cover the gymnasts, and I'll have to you know, make a, a trip by the uh, Clanton Shonies. But anyway, uh, it was good that uh, we skipped. We didn't skip. It was good that we skipped ahead to Deontay Brown because uh, that lets us talk about these next two guys consecutively because they're teammates, number seven and number five are both from Central Phoenix City. Oh, gosh, those who make the schedule, please let the uh, Red Devils play in Montgomery uh, this fall. Don't make me drive to Phoenix City. I don't ask for much. But uh, the first one, number seven, a lot of people talk about him as a defensive end or an outside linebacker. I like him as a tight end. Uh, but, Jimmy, the guy I'm talking about right now is Jamal Couch of Central Phoenix City. Well, the reason I rank him so high, Kerry, is that, is that very point uh, – Jamal is so athletic and has such a great frame. I think it's fair. I think if you show Jamal's tape to five different SEC coaches, those five coaches are going to want to put him in five different places. Uh, he is all a, a he, he can play tight end. He can play H back. I think he is so athletic, guys. He could probably get away with playing wide receiver. Uh, he he is also very impressive on defense as, as an outside pursuit guy, or maybe even at safety. He's that athletic. He's that physical. Uh, he's pretty skilled. He is one of my favorites uh, on tape, and it really surprised me when I heard his name early and heard a little bit about him. I wasn't so sure about him, but man, you watch the tape and you're like, oh yeah, I can see, I can see why Nick Nick Saban likes this guy. Physical, great frame, good feet. Not a four four guy. He's more of what I would call a utility player, meaning that. I mean, you just bring him in, and wherever you're short on players, just stick him there because he, he can play one of literally up to six spots, uh, legitimate 6'4", long arms, uh, and, again, a physical guy. If he wasn't physical, none of this would matter, but but he, he's plenty physical. I just really would like to see him get a shot if he comes to Alabama at inline tight end. But you're right, Jimmy. He could play a number of places. And, look, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I find a lot of guys on my own. Uh, as you know, I found Marcel Darius before the free world. Then I found Fred Weary 
you know, there's been a few others. But Drew, my cohort, was the first person ever, Jimmy, to tell me about uh, Central Phoenix City cornerback John Broussard. And i got to say, you got him at number five. Uh, I don't think he has an official committable offer from Bama yet, but I think he's one good camp away from getting it. Uh, John Broussard is the kind of in-state guy that I like to take, Jimmy. Well, we're really picky at cornerback because our head football coach happens to coach the cornerbacks. So we're more picky. Uh, coach Saban is really the guy that picks the corners and no one else gets a vote. Uh, they're his guys. He's very picky. Uh, that is why Broussard doesn't have an offer. Uh, I think it's very, very not possible, but very likely he gets an Alabama offer uh, either in camp or during the May evaluation period. Uh, thing, I agree. Uh, you know, Drew, Drew obviously saw, uh, you know, Drew, Drew is, you know, smart to, to find. You find a corner with long arms, first and foremost, and John Broussard is built like the SEC prototype. I think he, if he's not six foot, he's right at it. He has longer arms than, than most six-foot humans have. Uh, he doesn't run great. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's one of these super – combine freaks but to me he's just more a long arm six foot corner with good ball skills who's also not afraid to hit you uh and and i i like broussard a lot but we are so picky at cornerback i would never want to bet that uh hey here's a guy that alabama will definitely offer just simply because we we can be we're, we're way more picky at that position than any other okay uh, I'll, I'll be honest to you jimmy we lost you for a little while there but uh we got you back, and uh, Drew was just Drew was going to tell us what he saw from John at the Spain Park Combine last year. Yeah, I sure. just I, I'm going to echo what Jimmy said. You know, he he's almost six feet tall. He's got very long arms past his waist. I mean, plus you know I got to give credit where credit is due. I was watching the defensive lineman and a, an old friend in the business who's done this thirty years. Who is a great talent evaluator, Freddie Curry. He called me over. And uh, he said, hey, man, you got to check this kid out. He goes, he's the best corner here. And Freddie had been watching the corners about five minutes. And he said uh, he was watching Broussard, and he's so fluid with his backpedal. Uh, he's so smooth in his mechanics. I'm actually surprised, Jimmy, that he doesn't have an Alabama offer yet. Uh, Auburn has offered him. LSU has. He does have some family connections to Louisiana. Uh, I think it is telling that he hasn't committed yet. Hopefully he's given Alabama an opportunity uh, to evaluate him in camp and you know, get uh, and also work and get to know Mel Tucker, who I think can be big in that process. But I just feel like that John Broussard is a guy that should be, in my opinion, at least a four high four star prospect. And it's I think you have him in the top ten. I think he's definitely a top ten kid in state. And I don't see how there can be a better defensive back in the state of Alabama than Broussard. And that's a fair statement. And I think after camp he will have an offer. Next guy on the list, Jimmy, uh, is sort of a mystery to me because a year ago. Uh, Drew and me and a whole lot of other people, you probably, all thought that by now Alabama would just be, uh, you know, assholes and elbows trying to offer Jeremiah Moon. But at this point, you know, Jeremiah, you got a number four, but he's really not getting much of a sniff yet from Alabama. He has Darius Gilbert's nephew, and I still remember driving to Oxford to cover Darius Gilbert when he was in high school. But Jeremiah Moon is a very athletic player, Jimmy, but he's also Ichabod Crane Finn. That is a. I think that's ultimately the issue of why he doesn't have more offers than he does. Uh, I know this. This is why I love Jeremiah Moon myself, which is that first of all, Hoover's defense features basically eleven guys that are all going to play college football. 
But last year, Jeremiah Moon is on a team that featured two other older SEC prospects in Christian Bell and Darrell Williams. And in my opinion, in the three games I saw Hoover play on television, Jeremiah Moon was a far better player on the field than Bell or Williams. He's just more productive. He's more active. He's more instinctive. He's just a better player. And uh, I really, uh, after the season was over, expected him to get a slew of offers, including an Alabama offer. But then the dissection begins, and then you watch a little more in-depth tape on Huddle, and then I find some camp numbers, and, and it just ends up he's just not as big as he appeared to me on tape. Uh, last, last summer at that same uh, Birmingham Nike camp, I mentioned a couple times Jeremiah was 192 pounds. And while it's not uh, – unusual at all for a, a junior linebacker to weigh, you know, 190 his junior year and then weigh 225 his freshman year of college. It happens all the time. But Jeremiah, at the time, he's just a little small. And if Nick Saban likes to go big, everything about uh, the kids Alabama recruits, they just tend to be big. And Jeremiah just right now is small. So I think until he packs on some weight and until they see him in camp, they're probably not going to offer him. But he is a hell of a football player, just a pure linebacker football player just needs to pack on size, but you could have said the same exact thing about C.J. Mosley when he was a junior. Yeah, I agree with Jimmy 100%. I, I, as I was saying, I think that right now, Jeremiah Moon, he makes more plays sideline to sideline. Bell is a pass rusher. That's going to be his M.O. at Alabama, I should have said. Uh, but it, he's going to be an edge guy. Darrell Williams is more of a, in my opinion, a, a coverage backer, but he doesn't make a lot of plays. I thought he struggled tackling in space. I thought Moon was the best sideline-to-sideline guy. He has arms that are all the way down to his feet almost. He just needs to add weight. He's very fluid. He can drop back in coverage. I agree with the C.J. Mosley comparisons. He just needs to toughen up and gain weight. Uh, I think he's somebody with massive upside. Uh, He's even working with Javon Curse uh, to work on pass rushing. I think he's, he's going to. I think uh, obviously he's going to take on a bigger role in the Hoover D this year with Williams and Bell being gone. But I really think Moon is a guy. Darius Gilbert, good bloodlines, being his uncle. By the way, I can update everybody. Darius Gilbert is now coaching at Athens High School. He's oh. on the staff of Alan Creasy, uh, and uh, he, that, and uh, he had been at Oxford, his alma mater, but he's at Athens. But Darius. Gilbert's a nephew, and I just really think Moon's upside is somebody yeah, – he'll be a highly rated kid coming from Hoover, but I think, honestly, his best football is ahead of him, and he could end up He'll hit you. 
he does need to gain a little bit more weight, I guess. But, uh, Jimmy, your uh, first impressions of uh, Mac Wilson of Carl Montgomery. Well, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of Mac, and, and he's been a high-profile guy for quite some time. It's he's not new, he's not new to being uh, well thought of, and and you know, uh, he, he, to me, he's a, a fantastic athlete. Uh, he's kind of a pursuit player, uh, a plus athlete. He he will hit you. I, I think he's as probably as good of a outside linebacker prospect to me as you'll you'll find. Uh, he just needs just I think his. For being such a good prospect, I think with with Lindell, his best football is ahead of him. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, there are nights that he's all over the field, and then there are nights that he doesn't show up as much. But there's no questioning uh, Drew the athleticism of Mac Wilson. Oh, well, that's true. Then. Okay, well, the, uh, well no, I'm here. I'm here, Kerry. I just was going to say. Uh, what I really like about Mac, and what I like about all three of the guys, Ben Davis, Mac, and then Jeremiah Moon, is they're all three really good athletes, can move in space, which is big for defense this day and time. I think Mac will probably be an inside guy, uh, while Moon, I would expect, he could be a very versatile guy that can be moved around, uh, but I think he could end up being someone that plays, you know, Sam in the in the base and then inside in the nickel because he can cover so well. But I think Mac will be an inside guy. And Ben Davis, uh, as I'm sure Jimmy is going to talk about him, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where he develops because he's 6'4", 230 pounds, and can uh, and has enough athleticism to play tight end and be a good H-back. But really, I think his, I, I, I anticipate right now Ben being – but I'd like to hear, uh, you know, Jimmy's thoughts on uh, Ben. Uh, to me, to me, Ben is, uh, and you're exactly right. He, he is athletic enough to play tight end or H back. He's just been so good at defense. You'd almost hate hate to move him. But uh, I, I see Ben as a Mike at Alabama. Uh, I'm sure he can play. He's athletic enough to play other spots. But to me, uh, what stands out to him, and I'm sure it comes from the bloodlines from his dad being such a good, uh, you know, backer at Alabama. Uh, Ben's extremely instinctive. He seems to to already be moving to where the play is going before the ball is snapped, and traits like that serve a Mike linebacker really well. I think the question with Ben is once he gets on the field in the SEC, you know, Gordo, he doesn't have to do a lot of – he doesn't have to drop in coverage a lot, you know, at Gordo. I think he can do those things. He looks athletic enough, but until they do it, you don't really know. I think the only question world with Ben, is he a three-down linebacker or is he a guy that you're just primarily going to see on first and second down? But, but uh, that that said, I, I see Ben Davis as a kid who can play very early at Alabama, and and only really gifted kids can do that. Right, and his dad is the all-time leading tackle at the University of Alabama, Wayne Davis. I know I'm old, and I know I bring up stuff from the past all the time, but it, it seems like just a few months ago that I was standing on the sidelines of Bryant Denny Stadium at a North-South All-Star game and watching a conversation between senior high school senior teammates, Wayne Davis and Cornelius Bennett, uh, about what plans they had for the time in Alabama and all that. And, you know, here we are uh, getting wow. close to, in my opinion, close you to are old. commitment. From, you I are old. Okay, so that brings us to number one. And I totally agree with this evaluation of this guy being number one. Uh, people have heard me sing the praises of Derek Brown on this show now for uh, six, seven months because he was the best player I saw last year. And Derek's an out-of-state player at Lanier High uh, near Buford, Georgia, Sugar Hill, Georgia. And Derek is a great player. But the 
second best guy that I saw play last year is the best guy in the state for my money and apparently for the LGS Law Super 16. And, uh, yes, he did have a brother play for Auburn, uh, Kenneth Carter, but uh, Kirby Smart has done a whale of a job recruiting defensive then Marlon Davidson. Uh, ben Davis will be recruiting him, and Mac Wilson will be recruiting him. And uh, that's not even to mention guys like Blake Barnett when they get a hold of him. But, Jimmy, first talk about Marlon Davidson as a player, and I am completely uh, sold on him as the best player in the state. Don't agree with this evaluation. But talk about your impressions of him as a player and then your impressions of Alabama's chances to actually get his signature. Well, the first thing, and we've talked about it, mentioned it with a couple of the other front seven guys, it kind of starts with fit. I mean, who's, who's, a, who's a good fit with what you do? Because some front seven guys, you'll notice this in the NFL via free agency, where a guy's really good with one team, goes to another team, and sort of disappears. That's often because of the scheme change. And with front seven guys on defense, it's so much about who fits into what scheme. The reason that I I consider Marlon number one at this point is I think it's kind of hard to find a scheme he doesn't fit in because he can do so many things well. I think he will be a kid who's eventually big enough to, to, to dominate from the interior of a, of a defense. He is also, I think, a talented down lineman pass rusher. Uh, as he is built today, I think he could get away with playing Jack at Alabama, or if he's signed with a school that plays 4-3, probably his best position is just as an outside defensive end. Uh, I like Marlon because he's a fit anywhere. He's a good player at any position, and uh, fit is something you don't have to worry about with him. Like we were just talking about with Ben Davis, is he a guy that can play on third down uh, with Lindell with Lindell Wilson? He's certainly a guy that can play on third down. Can he play inside on first down? I mean, even with the good guys as highly regarded as they are, there's always questions. I just have fewer questions about Marlon Davidson than anyone else, and, and, I, and in my opinion, that's why I think he's number one. I think Alabama has a good chance to sign him, but – this is the way I look. I think Ben Davis is almost certain to go to Alabama. I think Marlon Davidson and Mac Wilson are guys that could be at Alabama. Uh, Mac Wilson probably a little bit stronger chance to Alabama than Marlon, but there is no way, in any way, do I think Marlon Davidson is a lock for Auburn. That, that is not true. I think he is legitimately open to Alabama. Yeah, Jimmy, and I really like what I've seen on film of him, too, and I like even more what he's saying publicly, uh, that he's not uh, by any stress a lot for uh, Auburn. And he ta- he's told us already he talks with uh, with uh, with uh, Kirby Smart every week. I think it's going to help that Mac Wilson, I-, I anticipate being at Alabama and helping recruit him. I think it's excellent that he transferred from Greenville to Carver. But I have a I- – I- you know, I have one other question. The- I've heard of another prospect. I've been getting questions, and I know he's somebody you've seen in your area. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Trey Threat from Spanish Ford? Because I've heard a lot of things about him. Uh, I did not have him in my Elite 18. I have not seen enough of him. I've only heard things. What are your thoughts on him as a prospect? I think he's a guy that's got to develop more physically in terms of now. He's already – I mean, he looks the part. And first of all, looking the part's a big deal. Trey looks the part. He plays for a good program. I would just like to see him make more plays and be more active. Uh, I think Trey, okay. his best football might be ahead of him. But I would just – you can 
if you're just being honest, if, if you're if you're like going to a Spanish Fork game because you want to see Trey threat, you're, you might end up being a little disappointed because he's not a guy that's going to make ten to twelve tackles a night. There, there's a, a younger linebacker on the team, Thomas Johnston, I think, <laughs> just gets to the ball mm-hmm. quicker than Trey does. But I, I like Trey. I hope Alabama brings him into camp uh, because I think that's a guy Alabama needs to take a long look at. But as of today, I think Trey ends up in the SEC, but probably with one of the Mississippi-type schools and uh, maybe Auburn. Uh, but uh, it would surprise – so far he hasn't been good enough for Alabama. I would just I'd tell the kid that. He just hasn't been good enough for Alabama yet, but there is the potential's there. Well, and I think also – uh, that's a great point. I think also another thing is that there's such so many good linebackers in state this year for Alabama, and yes. if the kid is going to be a linebacker, yes. uh, I, I think with especially with E. Thompson going to explode, I really expect Alabama and hope Alabama can sign four of them in state this year. Uh, you know, now I don't know about P.J. Blue yet. I heard you guys talking about him. Uh, he may end up being a, you're a hybrid type kid, but I definitely think you know. Ben Davis, Mac, Jeremiah Moon, and E. Thompson. I hope all of them end up in Crimson. It's a great in-state linebacker. Jimmy, uh, actually, a good. It's a good group next year too at linebacker. Yes. Well, this is uh, this has been a good good hour of recruiting talk, and uh, we definitely want to thank you for your time, Jimmy. Uh, certainly want to have sure. you uh, on again as this list continues to morph. Uh, and we'll we'll find out if guys that, that kind of barely didn't make it, like linebackers Travis uh, Salo, Jacory Morris, Sake Spencer Perry, defensive end Julian Jones. We already talked about Nation and Perrine and, and Denzel Mitchell. Uh, Dean Alls of Fayette, uh, offensive lineman, and a guy I love, we'll talk about him later, but a guy I love is Trapwell running back Kingston Davis. I think he's poised for a big senior. So we want to thank you very much again for, for joining us, Jimmy. And uh, before we let you go, go ahead and tell our listeners how they can listen to you and Luke's podcast, Talking Tuscaloosa. Sure. The easiest thing to do to find the podcast website is just Google Talking Tuscaloosa, and the first thing will pop up is the podcast.bean website. And uh, there all of our podcasts are archived. We uh, taped one this afternoon. And uh, for you uh, movie fans, I think me and Luke accidentally talked about Fifty Shades of Grey for at least 30 minutes of our hour. So I'm sure everybody will be really interested in Luke's review of that. <laughs> but uh, we uh, just, just Google up Talking Tuscaloosa and you'll you'll find us. Well, and, G- and Jimmy, I got to ask you one more question before you go because sure. I don't know if you guys talked about him, but I I I'm I'm really intrigued by Ty Pigram at, at Clay Chalkville. I know he's not going to probably be a quarterback. He's five ten, soaking right. wet, but he's an electric athlete. Do you? Do you foresee an SEC school uh, like targeting him maybe as a slot guy, or what do you see with him? I, I think he's a he, – to me, he's a borderline SEC guy. I think his size is going to hurt him a little bit about what position is he going to play. I think if your size is a big deal. I mean, well, like a T.J. Simmons, you know, who does run a four seven five, or maybe even a step slower than that sometimes, but he's 6'2", so we can get away with it. If you're going to be 5'9", 5'10", and playing the SEC, you got to run really well. I don't think Ty is an actual full four type guy. So I think his measurables are going to keep him out of the big time. But he's certainly got a lot of skills, talented kid. I wouldn't be shocked to see some smaller schools try to talk him into sticking at quarterback and, and playing maybe in the yeah. slack at quarterback. But, but 
I do think that Alabama is going to know all about him, and he's a kid that if he wants SEC offers, he needs to pick out the schools he likes and get in their camp and prove he can run and play with the wide receivers and defensive backs. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Great stuff. And, again, Jimmy, we appreciate you coming on. You're very sharp, especially in the recruiting area. I mean, we you know, you've done such a great job for years at seeing a lot of players, especially in the Mobile area, and we appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Thanks. Oh, anytime. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, thank you, Jimmy. That's Jimmy Stein, or LJS Law, if you know him by his internet moniker, uh, of the Talking Tuscaloosa the podcast. Remember that you can call and ask questions on the Big Heads Barbecue BAMS Radio Hotline at 714-510-3707. Again, the number is 714-510-3707. And a young man who has uh, already done that and has patiently been on hold for a few minutes, we'll bring him on now. Uh, your friend of mine, uh, Colin Big C. McGuire from the tiny hamlet of Greenville, Alabama. What is going on, big man? Cold down here. It's cold everywhere, Big C. What's up, buddy? I'm up, Drew. How you are, man? Now, who's the I'm all right, man. Who's the wide receiver that committed to Alabama from Clay Chapel today? Uh, T.J. Simmons, uh, Big C. Six uh, two. About 195 pounds from uh, you know from Pinson, Alabama. Uh, he's he had a really good uh, junior year. 43 catches, 987 yards, 20 total touchdowns, 17 receiving, two via rushing, and then he blocked a punt and returned it for a TD. But uh, Alabama was his second SEC offer next to Mississippi State, and he talked about it with his mother after Billy Napier offered him on the phone verbally last night. Got a phone call from Nick Saban at the high school this afternoon. Uh, asked Nick Saban if he could commit. He said yes, and there you go. So he's actually the first in-state kid for 2016 to commit. I know Christian Bell will be a gray shirt, but he's a, the first true 2016 in-state kid, and, and uh, he's a good player. Will be watched closely. Only question I have about him is his speed, but I think he's a good-looking prospect. And obviously, that Clutch Hawkville offense last year was tremendous. Uh, how many Yards the average catch last year. Twenty three. Oh, that ain't bad. That's pretty good. Uh, well, what was y'all? Uh, were y'all surprised how Alabama beat uh, Auburn over Auburn the other night? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm very proud of the Pullers for stepping up and you know and, and beating Bruce Pearl and the, the Auburn Tigers, who are you know a rebuilding program. You know, Pearl's done a lot of, uh, you know, happenstance and promoting and everything and done a great job helping the, the basketball become more, you know, uh, more front-page news in the state of Alabama. I'm actually very happy about that, uh, but I'm also happy to kick his butt. And uh, I think, honestly, when you look at his <laughs> – there's more style than substance to Bruce Pearl. But, again, I'm glad he's at Auburn to help Alabama know they have to do a better job of promoting the sport and uh, do a better job of getting the word out. Uh, but, again, when you look at his overall record, he did not have a winning record against Mark Godfrey. He's got a losing record against Philip Pearson, and now he's got a losing record against Anthony Grant at Tennessee and, and Auburn. So, to be honest, I think he, I still think he's really good for the Auburn program, but I still think he's overhyped. Oh, you do? So you think he's a little overrated then? Oh, no doubt. I've always thought that. Well, um, um, 
gosh, what else is going on from a recruiting standpoint uh, for 2016? Are they going to wait till after a day game where you'll be starting to see a bunch of commitments like last year? Drew, why don't you go ahead and tell Big C uh, who the three that were committed before today are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that my, my apologies. Shine Carter, Big C, from Kentwood, Louisiana, uh, one of the better cornerbacks in the country, uh, committed to Alabama. He's been committed to Alabama for a very long time, committed this summer. Uh, he's a, he's a, you know, a kid that he didn't come to the first junior day. He went to TCU's, but he still seems to be firmly committed. Uh, he, he's someone Nick Saban has personally chosen, as, as Jimmy Stein was on with us just a few moments ago. Said Coach Saban's very picky with the corner. Shine Carter is one they chose. Uh, obviously, Demetrius Robertson several months ago on the same day committed as well. Uh, they, I think, I both those young men I think committed on a day. Uh, Demetrius is from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, he's from Savannah Pre- uh, Prep uh, Christian uh, Academy. Uh, he's someone that uh, is. Uh, they don't really know yet where he's going to. Most most people uh, think of him as a wide receiver. Uh, he could end up as a defensive back as well. But I think they want the ball in his hands. Some even have to add him right to the number one wide receiver in the 2016 class. But he's definitely near the top as far as an athlete goes. Uh, again, from Savannah, Georgia, very good player. Georgia's going to keep coming after him hard. But uh, he committed to Lane Kiffin in Alabama very early in the process. And then the other the other commitment is Raquan Davis, an offensive defensive lineman from Meridian, Mississippi. He's been, you know, every time he's visited Alabama, he's been with a defensive lineman. But a lot of people are starting to think he could end up being a right tackle at Alabama. He's about six foot seven, three hundred ten pounds from Meridian, Mississippi. About a, you know, a stone's throw from Tuscaloosa over the state line. Obviously, Alabama's had trouble recruiting in the state of Mississippi. But right now, Raekwon is committed to Alabama, and he committed uh, very early after being, you know, discovered at Alabama's uh, lineman camp uh, last year. Well, uh. What are the prospects in the state of Alabama? Are there some really big-time high school prospects in that state? Y'all mentioned this guy from Clay Chalkville the first one from the state of Alabama to commit. Uh, are there some other guys or big-time guys in the state that y'all know about? Well, I'll let Jimmy – I'll let uh, – excuse me. I'll let uh, Kerry talk about that, and he'll tell you about the three that are visiting this weekend. Yeah, they see that the three best players in the state – are all going to be in Tuscaloosa this weekend. And uh, one of them used to live in Greenville. I'm not sure why y'all ran him off, but uh, Marlon Davis oh, yeah, is now playing at Carver Montgomery. And he, so he's, you know, I know his brother played at Auburn, but he's got a very open mind about Tuscaloosa, and Kirby Smart's done a great job on him. He's going to be there this weekend, defensive lineman. Uh, Lindell Mack Wilson, they call him Mack. He hits like a Mack truck, I found out when I watched him play Platteville. Uh, he's going to be with him. They're teammates at Carver Montgomery. Uh, Mack is a linebacker, and as you know, Marlon's a defensive end. And then Wayne Davis's boy, Ben Davis from Gordo, uh, a linebacker. We don't know yet if he's going to be inside or outside. That depends on who you ask. But, uh, you know, his daddy was a leading tackle in the school of history, and Ben will be a senior at Gordo. All three of those guys, that's the three best players in the state, Big C, and they're all going to be visiting Tuscaloosa from Friday to Sunday this weekend. Well, that's not bad. I, 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 I got. Now, who's looking now? Did I hear somewhere that talking about Wayne Davis's son that even Auburn's he's considering them, or did he just say that? Or what's your? What do y'all know on that? They, they, they think. No, oh, talking about Auburn thinks that. Yeah. yeah, they think that's pretty. 
Well, I think it's funny that they think they can get an ex-player son to come to Alabama. The only way that would happen if Alabama didn't offer him or something like that, that would be the only yeah. way. You know, the three but, guys uh, I named probably are the only three that have a committable on-the-spot offer from Alabama. There's a couple other people that in the state that have offers that if they come to camp and look good, they'll get a committable offer. But, Drew, I think it's safe to say those three I just named are the, are the only three committable. Oh, that I, I said that in my story yesterday, Kerry, that – Right now, in-state, I think it's a group that's evolving and there's going to be some very good players come out of it. But if you had to say right now, those three guys, they're on the visit this weekend. If they told Nick Saban, I want to come to Alabama, they would be accepted. Uh, the other guys, not you know, it's it's still uh, up in the air. They're going to have to come to camp. Even a guy like Bruce Ard, who I think should have already been offered. But I mean, obviously, uh, Coach Saban's being very picky in that situation, but I really believe that uh, that those three guys, Wendell, Mack, Wilson, uh, Ben Davis, and Marlon Davidson are the three best guys. And I think before it's all said and done, I still think E. Thompson's going to be up there as well. And he's a linebacker yeah. from Florence, Big C. And then there's two guys on Central Phoenix City that we think are pretty close to getting offered. Drew just mentioned one of them, John Broussard, a defensive back, a corner, and also a guy that's a tight end or defensive end or outside linebacker by the name of Jamal Couch. And Couch has a verbal offer, by the way. I'll just right, I'll, right. He does. He does. Yes, he, he has a but, it's, but it's also what we call a camp offer. Yes, exactly. And he yeah. wasn't surprised, Drew or me, either one, Big C, if if both Couch and Broussard showed up in June at camp and looked good and got and got committable offers. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, right, you say June um, to camp is that during the summer, or is this when they visit? Yeah. Uh, no, June. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Well, I just I don't keep up with the recruiting like y'all do, so I don't exactly totally understand. But you know, the thing's sort of funny in the old days. You know, I think Alabama didn't have camp; they just come by like if they were junior. They'd visit during the months of May or June or something like that, and then that's when they sort of worked on them. But now, these, I guess everybody's got camps now. And that's the way how they can sort of find prospects that way and stuff like that. Uh but uh uh but anyway, uh so uh so does it look like Alabama's gonna probably turn in a number another number one recruiting class like they did this past February in y'all's opinion for next year, or is that hard to say right now? Well I think it's hard to say. Uh, I think they're being very picky uh this time big say I of course, I'm going to be honest, I didn't expect T.J. Simmons to come on board this quick, but he's a young man who grew up in a family of Alabama fans. As soon as he got his offer, he jumped, and I really don't blame him. If I had grown up an Alabama fan and I had a chance to play for Nick Saban, I would jump as well. Uh, but I think they're going to be uh, judicious with how they, they hand them out. They're a very deep program right now. They'll sign 25 in the end, but, again, they're going to uh, be picky with how they fill out their roster I believe. I think they'll sign a couple more wide receivers. I think they'll probably get even pickier in that situation. TJ will probably be the only one in state uh, that they take. They will be recruiting several guys, including uh, several targets in the state of Florida. And then today, in 2017, uh, they just uh, throw him the damn ball. They offered Keyshawn Johnson Jr. So uh, we'll oh, yeah. see uh, what happens there. But uh, they've, uh, that's how old I'm getting. Keyshawn Johnson's got a kid in high school. So uh, yeah. we'll see. I mean, they, and and then we also talked about it, Big T. But 2017, another reason they took T.J. Simmons, I think, is he's mm-hmm. a very good player, and they have a wide receiver 
uh, who is, you know, a freak, who's a 2017 kid, a year behind T.J. Simmons. Remember the name Nico Collins. He will be the best wide receiver to come out of the state of Alabama since Julio Jones. Wow. And where is he from again? He's from Clay Chalkville, the same school as T.J. Simmons. So two pretty good wide receivers uh, at the same high school. But they did score a state record 731 points last year, and that's a big reason why. Gosh, that would be. Mm. Well, I don't know what else to ask you, young man, but I just wanted to holler at you. Drew, I'll, I'll get in touch with you tomorrow morning. Um, okay, man. Check-wise, and we'll go from there. But uh, thank you all, and roll tide, and we'll talk to you all uh, next week. Yes, sir. Good world tide, Big C. Thanks, man. Thanks for holding. Thank you, All right, Big C. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Colin Big C. McGuire. Uh, lone caller from the 334 area code. Uh, we've been going at it pretty hard here for about 80 minutes. So uh, what we're going to do now is take a break. We do have another guest joining us at 830 tonight, uh, Mark Burnett of Anderson Star, who is covering the combine in Indianapolis, the NFL combine. He's going to update us when he comes on about uh, what's going on with the Bama guys up there. But for now, uh, we're going to take a break just for a couple minutes, and then we'll come back and resume. But uh, you're listening to BAM Radio, a member of the BAMA Sports Radio family. Take BAMA Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide, all the time.
It's 23 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. I am your host, uh, Kerry Clark from BAMAMag.com, joined as always by Drew Armand of AlabamaIntel.com and Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And I'll tell you what, Drew, uh, it really reaffirms to me that we are covering the correct items in the first hour of the show when we have a regular caller that doesn't listen to the first hour and every question he asks is about what we talked about in the first hour. So if you didn't hear the first hour of BAM any week, just tune in to the second hour about five after when Big C calls, and we will be asked about everything we covered in the first six minutes. So now we've we covered some of the stuff twice, Drew. So uh, what I want to do is just try to clean up a few items that, that we didn't cover yet. A press conference was held um, on uh, Monday of this week at Nino's, the Italian restaurant in Pelham that's co-owned by Eli Gold and a guy from New York named Walter that never quits talking. But anyway, the purpose of the press conference was to announce that the University of Alabama frozen tied hockey program, number one, officially accepted a bid to the Nationals, and they don't have to go play uh, in a tournament or regional in Florida. They, got, they get to bypass that. They are automatically uh, – they are one of the eight teams already in the 16-team field. The other eight have to play their way in tournaments like the one that the Frozen Tide was trying to avoid, as Coach Hugh explained to us uh, last week. And the other part of that press conference was to announce that uh, while they're not going to NCAA, they are going from ACHA, American College Hockey Association D3, up to D1. So uh, not only is the Frozen Tide having a great season, Drew, but they're going to move up a division next year, and they're going to play in the national tournament that they're hosting here in Portland. Yeah, I'm really happy for Coach Q and all those guys. And, uh, they ran through the – they didn't, you know, get the result. They won the SEC tournament, but they did really well during the regular season, and the program seems to be growing, and the interest level's uh, increasing and moving up. That proves it. Uh, you know, I think he's done a great job of building the program from scratch, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think uh, it's very exciting. It's not, I guess 10 years ago I never would have pictured Alabama having a hockey team but that just goes goes to show you what what can happen even at an SEC program and with the success UAH has had on the smaller level uh, as far as on Division Two it's been proven it can happen if you have the right coach. Coach Key's a former UAH coach, so yes, uh, he is. He commutes down here from Huntsville to coach this team. You got to really love a guy like that. All right, well uh, we're going to talk about a couple of other items before we bring on our next guest in about five minutes. Uh, this one was not hard to predict, so we won't spend about fifteen seconds on it, but. The uh, Bama women's basketball team lost in Knoxville tonight to Tennessee, 77-56. The Tide is now 2-11 in the SEC, 13-15 overall. Got to have players. But Hesse does not have an SEC win this year. It might be Alabama's only other win when they meet uh, March the 1st down in Auburn, the uh, Lady Tigers. So that could be a win for Christy Curry's team. Uh, I think they'll probably be favored in that game. Uh, the gymnastics team of uh, first-year head coach Dana um, Duckworth scored a season high 197.8 in defeating Boise State in the annual Power of Pink Mate meet last weekend, and they also honored uh, Sarah and Dave Patterson. Uh, so that there's that. Uh, and uh, let's see. The uh, I, I mentioned this first hour, but the softball team is off to an 11-1 start. They're ranked uh, 31 pole, and I believe fourth in the other. Gymnastics, by the way, moved up to fifth in their performance. Uh, so there are certain sports at Alabama that are doing really, really well right now. Uh, 
So, you know, yeah, basketball can be somewhat of a downer. But but even they got a great win on the plane. And, and you know, to all the people, Drew, that, that people like Skarbinski, Kevin Skarbinski, just say, oh, well, you know, Alabama's got to take advantage now because this, this is Bruce Pearl's worst team he's going to have down there. I, I, really? Because you, you're losing Antoine Mason. Uh, you don't know if the round mound of hash browns going to come back next year, Bowers. Uh, you're, you're, you're losing uh, KT Hillel. Uh, I just don't understand how the logic is that this is going to be his worst team. I, they could be equally bad or maybe even worse next year, Bruce. Well, let me tell you something, guys. And I, I just read a tweet from Cecil Hurt, and, of course, he doesn't believe it's going to happen. But it, 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 but I am very, very excited about what, what Alabama's boosters and powers that be are where they're shooting for with this. You know, I, I think all, Bruce Pearl has had his his moment in the sun, and Alabama's about to hit a, you know, <laughs> about to put Auburn back in their place, even in basketball in this state. I don't think they're going to hire this this guy that they tweeted about because they didn't the last time, and I knew those rumors last time were false. But when you shoot for Tom Izzo, your your mindset is right. And there's there you know Clayton the Clayton the SEC has tweeted out that. Alabama's boosters, very strong likelihood that they're going to try to make a run at Tom Izzo. Do I think he's coming to Alabama? No. He's an institution in Michigan State. He's almost gone to the NBA a few times, especially with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Atlanta Hawks, but he's always stayed. I think he'll stay this time. But Alabama's mindset has to be like that. And I think Greg Marshall is going to be the top, the ultimate top legitimate target that they have a chance to, you know, obtain. And I think they're going to have to shoot for the stars. And the way I look at it, Kerry, uh, Alabama's a flushing money with the athletic department. Alabama has is paying their football coach $7.5 million a year. Most of the other SEC schools is almost half that. So Alabama can afford to jump up in basketball and pay their guy top five national money at $3 million a year. So that's what they're going to have to do to turn this program around. That's what they need to do. And I think they have, if they have the right mindset, and this, this is a start, is very encouraging, I think they can change the culture in basketball. And as you know, if you make the right hire in basketball, Kerry, it don't take long to turn it around. And I think I Alabama already has some good pieces in place. If you hit a grand slam home run and hire the right basketball coach, you could even get a certain young man at Madison Academy right now that is the best player in this state, regardless of age and regardless of class, who Auburn actually thinks they have a shot at getting, which is a joke. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and bring on our next guest because uh, our next guest is calling us live from Indianapolis, Indiana, which is the site of the NFL Combine, which features like 10 Alabama guys. He's already been able to talk to a couple of them. And uh, the guy that I'm bringing on now is the Alabama beat writer for the Anderson Star, Mark Burnett. He's been with us before. He's uh, he's with us again. Uh, Mark, uh, it's about 20 degrees in Birmingham. How cold is it in Indy right now? Uh, it's about negative seven. So. <laughs> so it could be a lot warmer. Got snow on the ground, and it's pretty cold. Yeah, so I, it's obviously very cold, Mark. But first of all, we're glad to have you back on BAMS with us. And you're down there. You get a chance. This is Drudy Armand. Uh, yeah, I know you've had a chance to to get your feet wet at the combine. Just give us your first thoughts on uh, some of the Alabama guys down there. There's a ton of them. What kind of impression are they making? I think they're making a pretty good impression. You know, all the ones I've talked to so far, 
that's kind of for interviews have done a pretty good job. I think they're, you know, handling well. I think the media training that they all got at Alabama probably served them well and to handle this sort of onslaught of media that comes with the NFL. You know, obviously it's a, a little, bit, little bit bigger deal when you're trying to go to the NFL level. But so far I think all the guys who have spoken have, have really handled it well. Austin Shepard was the only one on the first day. Art Quantra still hasn't come up. I'm not sh- sure what his, what's going on with him. Um, and today, Blake Sims, TJ Yeldon, and, and Andrew White came up today. Still waiting on Amari Cooper, Christian Jones, and then Trader Priest, Xavier Dixon will go tomorrow, and then Landon Collins is on Saturday. So still a few more guys left to talk to, but the guys who've talked so far are doing a pretty good job. Hey, Mark, you, uh, when you were listening to Austin Shepard talk, uh, you heard an interesting story about his relationship since he was a kid with a grizzled uh, NFL veteran who played for both the Saints and the Falcons. Kind of go into that story a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, we were talking uh, with Austin and sort of wrapping up the interview, and he and uh, someone in the interview session just you know said, who's the biggest person who's ever had an influence on, on you to get into the spot that you're in? You know, most people say, you know, their mom, their dad, or something like that. And he said, you know, he comes out and says Morton Anderson. I'm just like, what? It's a, he's like, obviously, Morton Anderson, you know, is his neighbor. He's a 25-year veteran in the NFL. NFL's an all-time leading scorer. And he just so happened to move next door to Austin Shepard when Austin Shepard was five years old. So he's been knowing him since then. I, I was able to talk to Morton last night, and he had a funny story about how, you know, Austin was obviously always bigger than everyone his age and how he used to break a lot of – toys at his house when you come up and play with Morris kids. So it's a really neat story. Some of the stories you don't always get to find when you're covering guys at Alabama because it's so sort of strict and you're trying to just get in there and talk about the game and things like that. It's kind of harder to find some of those stories because you don't get the guys. And in an intimate setting like the NFL Combine is where you get to sit down with them almost one-on-one at a table. So it's trying to be a really good story. And, you know, one of the more interesting things here that, you know, how many guys can say that they got to live next to a legitimate NFL legend and probably going to be a Hall of Famer here pretty soon. Well, and, and Mark, I've already seen the the, uh, the dissection start. I think I saw something on Twitter today about T.J. Yeldon's hands measured too small or something. I mean, this, this stuff drives me out of my mind, but because uh, I just think they ought to watch the tape. But what uh, what are you what buzz are you hearing about in, as far as positive or negative on some of the guys early as far as Bama? How is how are TJ and some of those guys faring thus far with uh, some of the what have you heard? Well, just in terms of of yelling, I think it's just I mean it's going to be what it is. You know, it's a loaded running back class this year, so you know he's just going to have to fight the perception of you know some people like his size, some people like his running style, but others don't. Some people say he runs too upright. Some people say he doesn't have enough power for his size. So it really just depends on which analyst you talk to on what day. And that's the thing with the NFL. You know, these next couple of weeks leading up to the draft are just going to be pretty insane because, I mean, rumors are going to start to come out and other things like that. But I think as long as he's healthy, he's probably going to fall into a good situation. And that's what it's all about. I mean, it's it's, it's more about falling into a good situation. Obviously, you want to be a high pick and, and get the money. But if you're a hard worker and you, you're productive in the league, the league's going to find you, and you're going to be able to eventually get to a contract. So I think for him, he said he's talked to four teams. So he talks to Seahawks, the Eagles, the Jaguars, and the Steelers. And, you know, three of those teams would be pretty good landing spots, you know, in terms of the Seahawks, the Eagles, and the Steelers. I, you know, I'm not so sure about the Jaguars, but, you know, obviously whoever picks it, I'm sure he'd be happy. But, you know, I, I think he's going to do well. Um, he, he's probably not going to be – 
in the top three running backs taken, maybe not even the top five running backs taken, but I think if he can run well, you know, in the 40, and, and I think that's the one thing sort of holding him back is just people really want to know what's his speed like. I mean, obviously he has great acceleration, great burst, great jump cuts, but if he, if he can show off that speed in the 40-yard dash, I think he'll be fine. Mark, I wanted to ask you about a funny quote I saw, uh, and you can share this with our, our listeners, uh, about the conversation when a, a, a scout or an NFL executive of some sort uh, asked uh, Blake Sims about his speed. But ask who? Uh, when, they, when they asked Blake Sims about his speed, about whether he was uh, uh, over or under a 4-5. Oh, yeah, that was uh, Gil Brand. I actually – I didn't um... – I wasn't around for that one, but I just saw the tweet. I'm guessing he probably called him in the hallway as he as Sims was walking out. But you know, Sims is a playful guy. He, I think he probably just kind of laughed it off. And like that. I mean, I think he'll be, I think he'll have a pretty good 40 time. He looks like a pretty fast guy when he played Alabama. And Gil Brand asked him, you know, uh, Blake, uh, as far as your 40, 4 5, over, under, he just quick, oh, under, man, under, under, under. I thought that was pretty fun. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're in that match, but. Yeah, yeah. well, some of those plays, you know, when you escape out of the backfield, uh, I'd say he's somewhere around a 4 5. But uh, <laughs> you'll actually be able to see the quarterbacks throw some tomorrow, right? Well, uh, you know, you kind of watch it on TV like everybody else. It's For some reason, it's blocked off to the media. It just shows you how much the NFL really cares about the media there. But um, only, you know, like the teams and coaches and things like that actually get to go in and, and watch the workouts. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to do the best I can to report on that stuff, though. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And I, I, I'm anxious to see how Blake throws. I think he may surprise some people. I mean, he sure as heck did last year at Alabama and in the SEC against some very fine defenses. Uh, but obviously there's been some, you know, movement among the wide receivers. There's some people uh, talking about Kevin White being the top wide receiver in the draft. I, I think he's a stud. I saw him against Bama. You did as well. But I still can't believe anybody's going to be better than nine. I think Amari – once uh, he has his workouts and then his interviews and then continues in the process, I think, uh, you know, he's going to end up the top receiver in the draft and the top five pick. I, as a matter of fact, I think uh, I saw a stat today from Gil Brandt that said uh, he was targeted 130 times and dropped six balls uh, as yeah. a junior. So I think he's going to be a, a big-time guy. What are, your, what are your thoughts on Amari and then the Kevin White situation, and what, do you, what, do you, what have you heard from the combine down there so far? Well, just based on what I've heard, I mean, I think this is obviously just a classic debate of production versus potential and upside. I mean, if you look at the production, there's no question. Mark Cooper had one of the best statistical seasons in the history of college football for a while. Obviously, in the history of SEC and the history of Alabama. But you look at Kevin White, you know, he's six feet three inches tall, and scouts fall in love with that stuff. They see a guy, you can throw it up to, and he can go up and get the jump ball. You've seen a lot of comparisons to Larry Fitzgerald, who obviously – you know, was a great receiver in college and obviously, you know, had a great pro career that he just signed a two-year extension with the, the Cardinals. But, I mean, I, I find it hard-pressed to say any wide receiver is better than Amari Cooper. I guess maybe because I saw him for, you know, 14 games this season. And I think he was obviously very productive. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But the thing I always hear, which is always weird to me, it kind of makes me laugh that, People say things like there's nothing special about Amari Cooper. He just runs really good routes and he just gets open a lot. I'm thinking, 
what else do you want your wide receiver to do other than run good routes and get open? I mean, I think I think in terms of you know, route running, running, I think he's going to probably be the most polished wide receiver here. But he was that way coming out of high school. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. It's just going to be a matter of what type of 40 time he puts together. And if the GM wants to say, hey, do we take this six foot three guy or do we take the guy who may be a couple inches shorter, but we know that he's going to be productive and have a long career. I mean, I've heard him compare it to guys like Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, who, I mean, both guys are probably going to be Hall of Famers. So, I mean, it really just depends on if if you want production or potential. I don't think you can go wrong with either one, but it's hard. I'd be hard pressed to say a receiver is better than Cooper. Mark, what about a guy like uh, DeAndre White, who's also up there this week? Uh, what what kind of pressure is on him, and what does he need to show the scouts? Well, I mean, he's just gonna have to prove that he can that he can run, that he has that speed. I mean, I just wrote a note about that today. You know, it's like. In 2008, coming out of high school, he was, uh, you know, state champion sprinter in Texas, you know, coming out of high school. But then, you know, a knee injury in 2012, and then he dealt with toe and foot, hamstring injuries his last two seasons at Alabama. I mean, and that's brought on the questions of whether or not he can get separation and whether or not he still has that long ball speed. So you talk about a guy who's really got something to prove in terms of the 40, it's him. I mean, people really want to see whether or not he can run as fast as he used to be. And I think if he can do that, he'll be fine. And, Mark, i got a question about uh, – obviously there's a lot of talk and buzz about him at the Senior Bowl, but as far as uh, Jalston, Nudie, Fowler, have you, what, are, what are you hearing down there? Are, are there teams that are they mainly slotting him at fullback, or are there some teams that think he could actually run the football and be a running back, a bigger back? What are the thoughts of the NFL people on uh, Jalston Fowler? Well, I think he's listed primarily as a fullback, but one of the team who's whoever gets him is going to probably use him, you know, in a, in a myriad of ways. I mean, obviously, you know, at Alabama, his last couple of years he caught a bunch of touchdowns out of the flat, and he's able to even you know split out a little bit and catch a pass or two. So he's obviously one of the more versatile players in terms of you know being able to do multiple things. But I mean, he's a fullback, and while he's very talented, it's just a position that I mean, if you think running backs obviously devalued, so. And fullback is even less important, but he's probably going to be the number one guy taken as long as he doesn't just come out and fall flat on his face and testing. So he lost 10 pounds since the um, senior bowl. He's 264 down there. He's at 254 down. I mean, he looks pretty chiseled for, for what I can tell today. So I think as long as he keeps his weight under control, which I think he will, as long as he can do that and he, and he tests well and, it's hel- and he's healthy, I think he'll be you know, anywhere from third to fifth round pick, and I think he'll be the top fullback off the uh, board. Mark, I wanted to ask you about another guy that has lost weight since the Senior Bowl. It seems that the scouts, there's no gray area with this guy. They either love him or they want nothing to do with him. And I'm talking specifically about Ari Kwanjo. Uh, what, what's the buzz on him this week? Well, you know, we haven't really – we he hasn't come up to the media room yet, so I'm still kind of waiting on him. You know, he was supposed to come up the first day, but it, we're heading into day three tomorrow, and he still hasn't spoken. So, um, from what I hear, he, he may not participate – certain drills. I'm not sure why. Um, the, the thing with him is just going to be whether or not the medicals check out. I mean, we all know that. That that's that's the thing in the NFL. I mean, if you can play, they'll they'll find you. They'll find a spot for you. But if you if you're not healthy, you know, it's going to kind of screw you over. And I think that's what you know. Obviously, it happened to his brother. He wasn't he had some things come out about his knee last year, and then 
that hurt his stock, and then he comes out and not, doesn't perform well. So as long as, you know, and even though it doesn't make sense, you know, people, especially analysts, hold things like that against you, whether it's, oh, he comes from Alabama or he comes from whatever school and, and players may be overrated or this is his brother. That's what he did, so let's hold that against him. So I think it's just one of those things. You know, it's very hot and cold on the guy. I've seen the guy projected second round. I've seen him projected sixth or seventh round. So, so it really just depends on where you look and who you believe. But as long as he tests well and the medicals check out, it could be fine. And obviously, uh, a guy that I'm intrigued by, Mark, uh, that had a big senior season that really didn't get a lot of buzz, but he had ten, nine, ten sacks. Uh, Xavier Dixon uh, really seemed to come into his own as a senior edge guy. I think he'll still be a three-four outside linebacker uh, with uh, maybe someone like the Steelers or someone like that. There's still a lot of teams playing the three-four. Uh, what are you? Are you hearing any buzz on Xavier? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot of pass rushers out there. So he's kind of middle of the road type guy. Uh, you know, it depends on how he tests and things like that. Uh, nothing really splashy about him. You know, he did have a very productive year this year, but there are also some times throughout his career at Alabama where he, he didn't really show up. So, you you know, you wonder, was it just because it's a contract year or is that really the real player? So, I mean, that's what that's what these NFL teams have to decide. And you have to, you know, if you're, if you're a player, you have to come out and do it the best you can in some of these tests. Mark, uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, one of Drew's friends dropped around Huntsville. We had an evaluation. Um, I thought it was very fair uh, of Lennon Collins talking about how he was much better against the run and sometimes he struggled with coverage and this guy got all out of, been out of shape over and jumped on the guy. But I, I saw him compared to the scouting report today that the NFL put out that all y'all can read. Uh, two times the safety of run stop and safety for the Jaguars. I've seen the pair by this guy to his friend, to William Moore of the Falcons. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that the scouts know that Landon Collins is a run stopping first safety and the coverage stuff remains to desired. But is that sort of the buzz you're hearing so far? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. I think from what I've heard, he's seen as more of a box safety. I think, you know, in, in some base defenses, he can obviously play a strong safety. He can help you against the run. And then in nickel and dime, you know, he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. You don't really want a one-on-one with a, a slot wide receiver or anything like that. I think I think he's a good safety. I don't know if he's as good as Ha-Ha because, you know, Ha-Ha, I think Ha-Ha is really good in coverage. I think that's what's helping him out with the pack. He had a great year this year. But, you know, Landon, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to have a long, productive career. You know, he plays special teams. He does all the, all, everything right. It's just a matter of – can he continue to improve on those cover skills and sort of running with the receiving space? And that's what it's all about. Now, if you're a defensive back, a lot of these teams like to spread you out and kind of look at what New England did, you know, in the Super Bowl against Seattle. They didn't really have to attack Seattle's cornerbacks because they put their little slot guys at running back, got a match up with a safety, and just sort of abused them in space. So it's going to be a matter of whether or not Landon Collins can keep up with these running backs and some of those shiftier guys. And I think he can. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think go ahead, Carrie. No, you go. Okay. Well, I you know, I I agree with that. I think landing it's just gonna depend on scheme fit. I think he'll still be a very good safety. The one thing that also will make him valuable is he was a very good special teams player at Alabama. I felt like he played hard on every snap. He never had to worry about his motor. Uh he will be a guy that I think will ingratiate himself with his teammates quickly because of how hard he plays. 
Uh, he just needs to, you know, stay healthy. And he really did at Alabama. I mean, I thought he was a tough guy. Uh, he dinged his shoulder up a little bit in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I still anticipate him uh, doing very well, though. And and, and I guess the, only, the other question, uh, Mark, is, uh, you know, what do you ultimately see as far as uh, Blake Sims? We, we've talked about him a little bit. Do you think he could continue to shock people and and throw the ball well enough at the combine and do well enough to ultimately get drafted in the later rounds? I know that he's not going to be an early ground guy, never was. But, you know, before the season, I just felt like that was unfathomable that he could get, you know, drafted. Do you think he can do well enough to get a shot from a team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be less about the, the um, pro day throw. Obviously, I think that's important. But I think for Sims, it's going to be more about what he does in some of those closed meetings with the NFL team. I think, you know, how how does he understand coverage? How does he how does he read defenses? How does he, you know, go through the, through his progression? I think teams are really going to want to sit down and get a feel for him. I think, you know, I always thought about this. Lane Kiffin at Sugar Bowl said, what if they had another year with Blake Sims at Alabama? This is how good it could he have been. I, I was, I just always remember when he was backing up AJ McLaren. Always thought, I wonder why the coaches never really put him in and let him actually run the offense. I mean, a lot of people saw him at A Day, which was you know a vanilla version of the offense. So you saw him in some mop up duty, which was basically handing it off, phone read stuff. You never really got to see him on the offense, and he comes out, you know, West Virginia does his thing, comes out of Florida, lights him up. You know, obviously he had some struggles throughout the season, which is to be expected if you're a first-year starter. So just imagine how much better could he have been had they, you know, really developed him and taken the time to work with him. I think that's what's going to have to happen in the NFL. If he can go to a spot where there's a guaranteed starter and he can sit behind someone for two or three years and, and sort of learn the game, learn the NFL game, learn how to – Learn the footwork from the NFL coaches and all that. I mean, if you just look at how far he's come from, say, last 8 day to the end of the season, I mean, just imagine what he could do with NFL coaching full-time and working with him. So I, I think he, I think he'd be drafted a late-round guy. You know, at worst, you know, priority free agent, he'll be in the camp. But I think he could, he's got a great shot to, to be drafted. Mark, uh, we really want to thank you for your time tonight. Uh, it's, it's awesome uh, to be able to talk to somebody that's actually covering NFL Combine and specifically the Alabama angle of it. Uh, that, that was pretty much it for me. Drew, do you have anything else? No, I don't. Uh, I, I guess I do have one question for Mark, and this is not really Combine, because uh, I know uh, you, you also cover the beaten basketball, Mark, and I know you, uh, you're a basketball guy. I see you tweeting about the NBA all the time. You love the sport. You know, I guess we want your just your real quick thoughts before you get you you leave us on Anthony Grant and his future. Yeah, I mean, it's, I was talking to somebody about this today. It's just they're not really looking good. I mean, they've just lost too many sort of bad games, and they also blown their opportunities to win some of their good games. I mean, I think back to all the way back to Wichita State, or you know, even back to you know beginning of the season, some of those preseason tournaments. You know, just opportunities to squander that that could make a resume look good. I mean, you lose to probably to arguably the worst uh, Florida team Billy Donovan had throughout his tenure there. Can't hold on to beat them. Then you lose to a Missouri team that's not very good. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just don't know. I mean, let's think make some miraculous run in the SEC tournament. I'm not sure how much longer this is going to last. Well, hey, man, we appreciate your thoughts. Always, and uh, you do a great job covering the beat. You know, we all we, we, ball, we all follow you on Twitter. You're a really sharp guy, and 
we really thank you for making uh, your second appearance on BAMS Radio, and we hope uh, we have you on as a regular guest, man. Thanks. All right, y'all have a good night.
what, so what has been your role on the team? Uh, just coming in and rebounding and just being like the leader of the, of the team. Yeah, and just talk about now you were recruited and committed for a long time to Alabama with your process. How does it feel to finally know where you're going and what have that over with? I mean, it feels really good because uh, I don't have to, like, keep, like, I don't have to, like, talk to other coaches or anything, so it's just good. So what uh what's what what have you have you been in communication with the staff since you since signing day? Yes, sir. Every, pretty much every other day. Well, I mean, what went through your mind? I know the gray shirt thing kind of happened late. When did when did you decide to do that, or when did they approach you? Uh, like two weeks ago on Monday. Oh, really? So yeah. you had no you had no problem with that whatsoever? No. What's uh, what 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 did they what 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 went through your mind to decide to do that? I mean, because you were recruited uh, by a lot of schools. Uh, I mean, I just. Put all my effort. In. I mean, I just it's like a. I have a good feeling and a good vibe with the coaching staff and all. And I, I didn't really want to go anywhere else. So you were totally, yeah, you've been totally committed for a while. You think, it, what do you think about how it's going to help you in your future? I mean, you know, other guys from your school like John Parker Wilson did it and extended his career. What's your thoughts on it? Uh, I think, it, I mean, I'm going to be able to develop my bed, my body, and I'll, when I come in, I'll be already ready to go. So are you gonna take some classes uh, this coming uh, f- uh, fall, or what? Are, what are your plans? That's the plan. That's so are you, you gonna be a part time? Be working student? out every day. Okay. Well, are yeah. you, where are you gonna take classes? Bama part time, or how are you gonna do that? Probably at like a community college, local. Are you local in Birmingham? Okay. Uh, so what is your current height and weight? Six four two thirty. And uh, what do they want you to come in as? Have they talked to you about it yet? Probably like. And I got one more thing I gotta ask you because I watched you. How did you like the Snipper Fire game? Oh, it was really, it was really fun. Competition. Did you like California? I know you've never been before. I did, I did. And uh, you and Anthony both seem to do a good job. I mean, your team played well. Yes, sir. Well, appreciate it, man. Roll Tide. That was Christian Bell, Hoover High School senior, Alabama football signee. Drew caught up with him at uh, Wallace Transville's uh, Northwest uh, Alabama High School Regionals. And uh, we only have about three more minutes left, Drew. Uh, but we are going to hear your uh, Madison Academy stuff, including Josh Langford next week. That'll be a party okay. to get that to our listeners then. Uh, but, but but just give us a snippet. Uh, did, uh, did Josh even say anything at all to Alabama? No, he was just he just answered questions. Uh, he's he's kind of quelling the recruiting talk for now. He's still claiming he doesn't have any top schools. Uh, you know, as we said, there's there's a, a lot of good coaches there. Uh, Michigan State's Dane Fife. Uh, you know, Mississippi State's Wesley Flanagan, as far as assistants. Also an assistant from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, also had uh, you know John Beeline as far as head coaches in the house. Bruce Pearl and Anthony Grant. Uh, he just basically talked about his game and how a lot of people are playing him for the drive now, and he's been having a lot of problems getting into foul trouble because of offensive fouls and of that nature. He's really been trying to put in extra time in the gym with his jump shot, shot a lot of jumpers uh, at Clay, I mean at Wall State. Uh, you know, he was hot and cold from the perimeter. He shot it better at times, shot a lot of mid-range shots, uh, not, not so many threes per se. He had a couple of threes. But, again, uh, he didn't really talk about the recruiting process. Austin Troxel talked a little bit about his game and having to step up on the court because he really, as far as a big man, is the key for Madison Academy to win a state championship. And then, of course, Miles Parker, uh, their, uh, their, their, their four guy. He's a long kid, but he can play uh, on the perimeter as well. 
has had a few injury issues, but seems to be getting healthy, and they seem to be playing uh, their, their best basketball of the season. But, again, Josh's recruiting process is going to play itself out. It's going to be really interesting to see who Alabama hires, Kerry, because I hate to continue to talk like that, but I just think it's inevitable. And with what you reported uh, on the show today, I just really think uh, it's going to – I think Alabama can still be a factor with Josh Langford if they make the right hire. Uh, they're just going to have to hit it out of the park. Right. And we're going to go ahead and, uh, go ahead and kind of wrap things up here. Uh, I did want to share one rumor that I wish, uh, everybody knows me knows I'm an Atlanta Falcons. But my second favorite team in the NFL is the Dallas Cowboys. And I understand they're getting ready to make a move on Mark Ingram because the New Orleans Saints apparently have decided they're not going to offer him to try to get him to stay with him. Uh, so I would really love to see Mark Ingram playing behind that Dallas offensive line. That being said, uh, we've had a good two hours. I want to thank our guests, uh, Jimmy Stein and Mark Burnett, uh, and also uh, thanks to Thomas Watts for the great job he always does back in the studio. Uh, Thomas, of course, is with uh, Alabama NFL. I'm sorry. Well, he's with him, and he's also with us in Alabama. And then going out for Alabama Intel, Terry Clark of BamaMag.com signing off on another edition. Thank you for listening to Bams Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.